Facebook.com. You can click on the different pages here. Click on the pictures. They're actually free videos, and I update them every week. I suggest you do it on a laptop. You'll get a lot more free videos that way. And you can check out me and my friends. Maybe even some people you know. You can get a subscription, make a donation, or just enjoy the free content. All of the above are very much appreciated. I thank you for that. You can also check out the Living Water Chapel pages and the Naked Truth pages there. And get an idea of what it is we do here. And that is go over the spiritual side that I believe exists in all of us. I know it exists in me. And I actually self-identify as a Christian. Meaning, I believe Jesus gets the last word when it comes to any given topic. Particularly if he took the time and shed the blood to bring us the message as believers believe him to be, or at least profess to believe him to be, bringing us the message that God has for us about our soul salvation. So that's what we focus on, what Jesus had to say. And um, to pick up where we left off, um, we're in the book of John, chapter 19. This is the passage that stood out to me the most. Uh, this is... Jesus is in the midst of all his suffering after being stripped, humiliated, beaten, spit upon, whipped, and um, forced to carry his own cross to uh, his crucifixion. That'd be like you being forced to carry your own electric chair to your execution. But he's, um, he's gone through all that. And now he's hanging on the cross, uh, crucified, and um, this is where his mind is in the midst of all of that. Now there stood by the cross of Jesus his mother and his mother's sister, Mary the wife of Clopas and Mary Magdalene. When Jesus therefore saw his mother and the disciple whom he loved standing by, he said to his mother, Woman, behold your son. Then he said to the disciple, Behold your mother. And from that hour that disciple took her to his own home. So that stood out to me before one thing for one main reason that uh, it shows that Jesus even with all he's going through there in that moment and all his suffering he's still thinking who have I made to, who have, I got to make sure I've included everyone under the umbrella let them know they're welcome under this umbrella that the invitation is to them and I say that because even though many churches even now will preach differently Jesus has made it clear in Luke 17 34 that gay people, or at least men who sleep with men, are welcome into the kingdom. Jesus has made it clear in um, Matthew 21, 31, that, believe it or not, hoes, prostitutes, whores, harlots, whatever you want to call them, us, however you want, sex workers, however you want to identify, are also welcome, even though churches don't teach either one of those things or preach anyone, either one of those things. And now Jesus here, even on the cross, is making it clear that just because you're born into something or have blood relatives with people, that that's not what's going to matter in God's eyes. In God's eyes, what matters is he said it before and before, before that his mother and brothers are those who hear the word of God and do it. And here now, even on the cross, Jesus is basically performing an adoption, letting his disciple and his John, who's um, it's believed to be John, the God, who the gospel is named for, is the disciple he's saying this to. And um, from then on, that they're going to have that bond of mother and son, and son and mother, and they've accepted that. And that's from the cross, Jesus basically performing an adoption, letting us know that ties, family ties, go way beyond just blood. It goes into families that you may end up having to create on your own because of whatever circumstance you find yourself in. You may find yourself with a brother you never knew you had, 
or um, a sister or a mother or a father who was there for you when it turned out your own worked. Um, and Jesus is saying all of that is perfectly divine, that it's um, validated. So anyway, that's what happened in John 19, or at least what stood out. We're going to go on now to John chapter 20. Now, on the first day of the week, Mary Magdalene went to the tomb early while it was still dark and saw that the stone had been taken away from the tomb. Then she ran and came to Simon Peter and to the other disciple whom Jesus loved and said to them, They've taken away the Lord out of the tomb. And we do not know where they blamed him. So um, I guess one of the things that stands out is that Remember that at the crucifixion, the disciples just before, when, he, when Jesus was even arrested, the male disciples forsook him and fled. And one of them, Peter, even denied him three different times uh, when people asked him if he even knew Jesus. But the women stayed faithful and were even there at the cross. And we see here also that the one disciple, John, uh, the male one male disciple, at least some found his way back to um, being there also. And he was at the cross. Um, Though, like I said, all the other disciples, basically, it was every man for himself and fled. But the women, also faithful to the end. So she's saying that Jesus is gone. He's out of the, basically a cave and the stone's been rolled away and they don't. she doesn't know where they put him. Peter, therefore, went out and other disciple and were going to the tomb. So they both ran together, and the other disciple outran Peter and came to the tomb first. And he, stooping down and looking in, saw the linen cloths lying there, yet he did not go in. Then Simon Peter came following him. So this is so far, this is Peter, the fisherman, well, lots of them are fishermen. It's Simon Peter and John, basically, um, who have gone to go see what's happened, what's Mary talking about. And this is Mary Magdalene, not Mary, the mother of Jesus. Um, and went into the tomb and saw the oh and and the handkerchief that had been around his head not lying with the linen cloths, but folded together in a place by itself. Then the other disciple, who came to the tomb first, that be John, went in also, and he. Saw and believed. So John is saying, oh, well, I'll just keep reading. For as yet they did not know the scripture, that he must rise again from the dead. Then the disciples went away again to their own homes. So all of this, none of this is red letters. That's not Jesus saying any of this. It's them giving us an account of what they, um, what happened to the disciples after Mary saw Jesus and before he appeared to the disciples and how they accepted it. And you see, they didn't accept it. They ran to the tomb to go see for themselves to see if Jesus really was gone or not. Um, it doesn't sound like they very have very much faith. It doesn't sound faithful. But, um, and, it, and you can see that it's not Jesus saying, because you see how it says here, for as yet they did not know the scripture. Um, it, they may not know the scripture, but they know that Jesus told them again and again that he was going to rise again. So, again, that's not red letter, but it's letting you know that that's whoever wrote this is letting us know that's um, their understanding or explanation for why the disciples still didn't believe. And it's John who's believed to pass this down by oral tradition. So maybe that's John saying he didn't know the scriptures. He didn't understand it at that point that Jesus was going to rise again. 
But Mary stood outside by the tomb weeping, and as she wept, she stooped down and looked into the tomb, and she saw two angels in white sitting, one at the head and the other at the feet, where the body of Jesus had lain. Then they said to her, Woman, why are you weeping? So this is one of the few times where you see angels interacting um, uh, in the New Testament uh, with people, uh, besides Revelation, where there's like imagery. This is one of the times where it's not like a... Um, it's not like she's having a vision. They're, she's, they're actually there and interacting with her and talking with her. Uh, whereas in Revelation, it's more like a vision, someone having a vision and angels bringing messages that way. Here, she's walking around and at the tomb and looking around and an angel's appeared to her and asking her questions, so also interacting with her. So she knows it's a real thing. She's not dreaming. Uh, she said to him, because they've taken away my Lord and I do not know where they've laid him. So he's asked her why she's saying because God her because Jesus is gone and she doesn't know where he is and she's there at the group at the gravesite. Basically it's a week morning and probably you know what you do at a gravesite. Now when she had said this, she turned around and saw Jesus standing there and did not know that it was Jesus. So somehow her knowledge of Jesus of that being Jesus is obscured. Now it could be that Jesus was standing there but it was at a distance and she couldn't see him or maybe his back was turned and he was doing something whatever the case may be she doesn't recognize it as Jesus even though he's standing there Jesus said to her woman why are you weeping whom are you seeking so now Jesus has asked her a question so it seems at this point, she should be able to recognize his voice. Because even if you don't recognize someone visually, there is a such thing as a voice print and um, uh, identification. You can recognize someone by their voice. Even electronically, people can be identified by their voice, by the patterns. And um, so um, it's strange that she doesn't recognize Jesus by his voice. But it could be. Maybe they were at a distance. Maybe he was. Maybe they were at a distance would be what I would be thinking. Or, but it could be her emotional state that she didn't recognize it. And it also could be if you've seen someone murdered and as they saw him murdered, like we've seen George Floyd murdered, you don't expect to see them walking around again. So it's probably not expecting that to be Jesus, even if she does recognize the voice. It would probably be like if I saw my mama or heard her calling me again, all of a sudden I wouldn't expect for it to be heard. It'd probably, I mean, even if it sounds completely familiar... I've seen her pass away, so I'd, it'd be out of this world to suddenly hear her speaking again. It's not what would come to your mind, even if it's standing right there in front of you. She's supposedly going to be the garden and said to him, Sir, if you've carried him away, tell me where you've laid him, and I will take him away. So that's what her thinking is. She's thinking, Jesus is gone, he's dead, his body is missing, someone's pulled something and taken him away. And that's where her focus is. And she's wondering, well, maybe this man who's asking me why I'm crying at a gravesite, <laughs> which would seem normal to be crying at a gravesite, but he's asking me why am I crying here? And she's like, well, maybe he's trying to be funny. So if he wants, I'm asking, if he knows where the body is, maybe he's played a trick and taken it away. Tell me where he is so I can get to him. Again, the woman is showing her faithfulness, something the men, the male disciples, didn't always do. Jesus said to her, Mary. So now she turned and said to him, Rabbi, which is to say teacher. So um, now Jesus has called out to her and um, maybe in hearing her name, 
hearing his voice and, and saying her name was what it took for it to all come together for her. Um, but at any rate, she's recognized him and she's, and you see it's an exclamation point, so she's not questioning if it's Jesus. She's more like shocked that it's Jesus, although they, although the punctuation is added later. The emotion, that's what I would think it would be if I heard my mama calling my name. It wouldn't be questioning, it'd be exclamation, be excited. Jesus said to her, do not cling to me, for I have not yet ascended to my father, but go to my brethren and say to them, I'm ascending to my father and your father, and to my God and your God. Now, some preachers will try and twist this terribly, and try and say this means Jesus was in a hurry telling them, don't hold me up, makes no sense. Jesus has complete the complete picture of time and what's happening in the big picture why would he be in a hurry for anything so not at all i don't think that's what he's saying at all i think more than likely she's so excited she's seeing him she's like and probably embraced him with a hug he, she's probably saying he's probably saying here well hug me now i haven't gone don't cling to me yet don't don't cling to the faith yet because the whole picture isn't done. He's not finished doing what he had to do. And you see what he says here, which is going to make a liar out of a whole lot of preachers who love to preach what someone else preaches in the Bible. Uh, I think it's Paul, but God only knows. Because I, what I know is Jesus doesn't preach it. And people will preach that to be absent from the flesh is to be present with the Lord. That meaning, once you die, immediately you go to God. Clearly that's not the case. Absolutely that's a lie. You're hearing it from Jesus right here, where he says he has not yet ascended to his father. So that means you don't immediately go to God and get a presence, uh, an audience with God instantly. That's not what happens. And Jesus has made it clear in Luke 16 that what does happen is you do get a judgment and you're either judged righteous or judged wanting. And if you're judged wanting and lacking, you end up in torment. In Hades is what Jesus calls it, like I said, in Luke 16. Or, as he says in Luke 23, paradise with him when he died on the cross um, with the person um, who did accept him and was converted. Um, but not heaven and not hell and certainly not to God. So you don't instantly go to God no matter what your preacher may tell you. That's not what necessarily happens to everyone. And it absolutely isn't instantaneous because Jesus has been dead at least four days at this point. Because um, um, remember, he died on the cross and the Sabbath, and then the, the first day of the week, and all that. At least three days he's been gone. And he said here very clearly he's not gone to God yet, the Father, as he calls him, as he addresses him. Sometimes, in at least one instance, Jesus calls God God. And here he's calling him God and Father. So, uh, another way, another place where some preachers will lie to you and say that. Jesus never called God God. He clearly did right there. But also in John 3.16, he called God God. And it seems crazy that people would preach that. But people preach it and people believe it blindly following rather than even bothering to see what the truth is. Or even seeing the truth and will ignore it as the recordings of the president have shown. They'll hear the recordings that he knew how dangerous coronavirus was even though he was consistently holding rallies with them telling them to take their masks off knowing how dangerous and contagious it is it seems crazy but the same thing people will hear something and still just ignore the truth for in favor of whatever it is they want to believe their biases 
just like racism. People will believe whatever they want to believe about another race because it's convenient for their own belief system, not at all because it's true. Um, anyway, so Mary Magdalene came and told the disciples that she'd seen the Lord and that he had spoken these things to her. So now, excuse me. Now Mary's gone back to them again. They really didn't believe it the first time when she told them that the stone had been rolled away. Because remember, they went to go investigate for themselves to see and saw that it wasn't. Uh, and didn't know what to believe. And then here, she's gone to tell them now that she's actually seen him. Um, so let's see if they believe that. Um, let's see. Then the same day, oh, it doesn't say whether they believed or not. We know from another gospel they didn't. Um, then the same day at evening, being the first day of the week, when the doors were shut, where the disciples were assembled for fear of the Jews, Jesus came and stood in the midst and said to them, Peace be with you. So now this is them all, all the disciples, well not all of them unnecessarily, but the disciples are gathered together now. And it says for fear because Jesus has been crucified and that was actually a trial. That wasn't, a, it wasn't going to church. That was him being put on trial and according to them for declaring he's a king where they already have a king Caesar so it'd be like treason or um, I forget the word that it's called um, but it'd be basically like treason almost like how the confederacy was trying to secede from the union of the states by declaring its own and all that and still lives on with people who believe that that treason was right the same thing um, here um, um, what was I going to say? Um, where the doors were shut, where disciples were assembled for fear. Of the, so the Jew, they were they were in there because they were afraid. Oh, because Jesus had been killed. Oh, that's right. The religious reasons. So they're in hiding. It's so that's what I was going to try and say. That's um, so when people were trying to say that the disciples went back and took Jesus out of the tomb that he didn't actually resurrect. You know that's almost certainly not true because they're here assembled huddled together in fear they're not out boldly saying oh jesus is risen they're hiding because they know what happened to jesus and they don't want it to happen to them when he had even though it's going to happen to them and even though some of them said they could handle it and they aren't going to end up having to handle it the same way the crucifixion that is when he had said this he showed them his hands so first jesus greets them with peace even though they're hiding in fear, Jesus greets them with peace. And he says, peace be with you. I'm guess letting them know, don't be afraid. What he's been preaching to them is true. So take have peace in that knowing that even though he knew what suffering he was going to go through, let it bring us peace to know that just like he knew it and still walked into it, we still have to walk through whatever journeys we have to go through. But know, or have faith, that have, have peace in the fact of knowing that just like his had a point and a purpose, and even though it had an, a horrible event along the way, probably many, um, it was still for a purpose, and that there was life after that. And similarly, similarly, that's what I believe Christians are supposed to cling to, um, and have peace in it. When he had said this, he showed them his hands and his side, and you know that's where he was hung up on the cross. So that's what he's showing them, basically his scars, and when they pierced him with the spear. Uh, up on the cross in his side then the disciples were glad when they saw the Lord so 
probably their they were full of doubts again if you saw someone who you saw pass away suddenly alive again you'd probably have some doubts too or at least mixed emotions and that's where they are with it so jesus says to them again peace to you so again he's affirming peace and have it with you as the father has sent me i also send you so um he's declaring peace again to them and now that their faith has been affirmed by seeing him alive and he's saying um, that God sent him on a mission and he's saying in the same way he's sending them. And when he had said this, he breathed on them and said to them, receive the Holy Spirit. So it doesn't necessarily mean they're receiving the Holy Spirit right now, even though he's breathing. He says he's breathing on them. Um, but maybe they did. Maybe they didn't. We know that in if you're going to read in the books of uh, the book of Acts, uh, I think it's the second chapter, you know that at least there also the Holy Spirit uh, came upon some people so it but it's not like the holy spirit necessarily just has to uh, has to touch someone and stay there it can move like the wind and, and according to another analogy jesus gave for it um and that's in john 3 chapter 3 if you want to read about that if you forgive the sins of any they are forgiven them if you retain the sins of any they are retained so i think jesus is saying here He's speaking to the Holy Spirit that he's um, saying that they um, are to receive. And when he says forgiving the sins, I don't think he's saying that means that people are now supposed to start suddenly coming to them, to the disciples and confessing their sins and hoping that the disciples will forgive them. Although many religions preach that and teach that. I don't think that's what Jesus is saying here. I think what Jesus is saying is, um, is speaking to the Holy Spirit part and of just like when he was speaking to the uh when he'd say get behind me satan when he had to rebuke peter and was speaking to the satan in peter i think what he's speaking to here is the holy spirit and he's not necessarily speaking to the disciples he's speaking to the holy spirit that he's telling them to receive and letting and sort of giving that command to the spirit that in that that that's where the forgiveness will lie and maybe in our spirit moving us to seek forgiveness when we wrong people or wrong god in the things we say and do um now thomas called a twin one of the twelve was not with them when jesus came the other disciples therefore said to him we've seen the lord so you know this is thomas where the saying doubting thomas comes from that's where they're referring to here so he said um, or where well, that's where it comes from the same thomas and so the disciples are telling him, we've seen Jesus. So he says to them, unless I see in his hands the print of the nails and put my finger into the print of the nails and put my hand into his side, he's saying he will not believe. Uh, I won't read that. You can see why. But he's saying he won't believe unless he sees Jesus and examines him and puts his fingers in the holes, basically. And after eight days, his disciples were again inside. And notice there, it's eight days later, that just because he said that, it wasn't like Jesus was like, oh, well, let me go hurry up and show him that I'm real. Oh, let me go show him that the disciples aren't lying, that I actually did resurrect. Jesus is like, okay, you don't believe, you don't believe. And it's eight days later now, after eight days, his disciples were again inside and Thomas with them. Jesus came, the doors being shut and stood in the midst and said peace to you so now they're in the same situation where they've locked up um safe and secure keeping everybody out the disciples probably still huddled in fear 
Um, but it's eight days later now. At least eight days after the crucifixion. Well, it's even beyond that because it was three days after the crucifixion when he started appearing to the, the um, to Mary. So this is like two weeks later, basically. Um, and Jesus is saying peace to you. So he's popped up now somehow. It doesn't explain exactly how. Whether it's like um, Star Trek and he's beamed himself up and just made himself appear or what. But he suddenly appeared to them even though all their doors are shut. And it's the second time he's done this now. So you can imagine how, how that'd be startling to someone too. To see someone suddenly teleporting to your living room. Um, then he said to Jesus. Then he said to Thomas. The one who just doubted that he was even alive again. And said he needed to put his fingers in the holes. Then he said to Thomas. Reach your finger here and look at my hands. And reach your hand here. And put it into my side do not be unbelieving but believing so he's answering Thomas even though he wasn't there physically in the room when Thomas said that but he's answering the comment that Thomas made saying oh you're that one who said you won't believe unless you see me and not only see me but you're going to actually have to put your finger into the print of the nails where Jesus was hung up and put his hand into his side so he's like so you're not only going to believe you're not going to believe even if you see me but if you examine me and look for the scars. Um, so Jesus is saying, go ahead, examine me and look at the scars if that's what it takes for you to believe. And you can imagine how disappointing that would be to um, have gone through all that suffering for someone who walked with you and experienced some of the fear or at least experienced some of the um, torment. Because, you know, they were sometimes chased and even thrown out of areas um, and synagogues and churches, well, like a church uh, back then. So even to experience that with people and then have them still turn on you with nothing but doubts, you can imagine how that would feel for Jesus. Thomas answered and said to him, my Lord and my God. So now Thomas is probably humble. He's like, wow, it's real. You really are alive again. And Jesus said to him, Thomas, because you've seen me, you've believed. Blessed are those who have not seen and yet have believed. So um, Jesus is not giving him much credit for that. He's like, well, yeah, you're all excited. And you're now your faith is full and your heart is overflowing. Because you see that I'm alive. But you didn't actually believe that uh, I was going to resurrect. So you can imagine how disappointing that would be. Um, and Jesus isn't letting him slide with it. He's pointing it out to him so he realizes it. And don't overlook the blessing that he gives to future faithful ourselves if you're a faithful person included where he's saying blessed are the people who are yet to believe that'd be us who didn't get the benefit of walking with him and seeing the miracles and really blowing our faith out of this world but we still end up believing somehow despite it all um so jesus is saying blessed are those who can believe without seeing and truly jesus did many other signs in the presence of his disciples which are not written in this book but these are written that you may believe that Jesus is the Christ, the Son of God, and that believing you may have life in his name. Sounds like a benediction. Oh, and that's actually the end of this chapter. We're almost to the end of this book. So, um, I appreciate you checking it out with me. And, um, that does end this chapter. And hope you'll join me again. God willing, we're, it's Wednesday now. So, Wednesdays are John and Luke. 
you want to check out those readings Saturday night after midnight, we'll pick up where we left off in our gospel grab bag. We're in the gospel of Nicodemus. It didn't make it into the Bible. Um, and on Mondays, we have uh, the gospel of Matthew where we're reading there. In the meantime, love your neighbor, wash your hands, wear your mask, and God bless you. Thanks again. Peace.